You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 843 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Sunday evening into Monday morning to begin the week on the right note. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. As you probably saw in the description of this podcast, I am joined today by the great Fred Katz of The Athletic. Fred is a uh, Wizards insider covering the Wizards on a daily basis, and with that in mind, we discussed Wizards-related things that also pertain to the Hawks. And the biggest thing with that is Davis Bertans, who is a free agent this offseason, a guy who's already been linked to the Hawks multiple times. I get questions about about Bertans all the time, and as part of a series that I'm doing uh, in the in the offseason here, I brought in Fred to discuss all things Wizards with some discussion about Shabazz Napier as well. Most of it's Bertans but keep that in mind as we get going throughout this. In fact, I want to plug a couple things here. First of all, similar episodes that I've already done in the last couple of weeks, one of which was with Adam Morris of Locked On Nuggets and DNVR Sports. We talked about the Nuggets guys, namely Jeremy Grant and old friend Paul Millsap through the same lens. Also, we had Greg Wissinger of the Kings Herald on the podcast, a genuine Kings expert to talk about Bogdan Bogdanovich, as well as Buddy Heald and more stuff through that lens. We have a few more lined up. I won't give those away just yet, but some uh, other high-profile free agents, at least relative high-profile guys who I'm asked about regularly that I'm going to bring in some experts to discuss in the coming days. In addition, we have all kinds of draft content, um, mailbags for me, also tons of guests from Zach Milner to Zach Hood to Sam Bassini, Brian Schroeder, etc. All kinds, the list is incredibly long, Jackson, Frank, Ben Pfeiffer, Max Carlin, etc., etc., um, I said this on the last podcast, but I'll say it again now. If you have been listening to the podcast the entire time, I really appreciate it. Um, still feel free to do this. But if you're a new listener, um, I have tons, like months worth of NBA draft uh, archive stuff, basically, in the in the feed that's still applicable now. Not a ton has changed on the NBA draft, which is one of the good things and one of the bad things about this cycle. But if you're someone who's listed, um, who's interested, I should say, in the NBA draft through the lens of, through the, lens of the Hawks in particular... I have all kinds of content in the archive, a positional primer that I did with Zach Hood over the course of several episodes, in addition to some more uh, just guests brought in to talk about um, things, and those all still hold up at this point in time. So check out the archive, download, tell a friend, all that stuff, and I really, really appreciate it. Okay, before we get to Fred, I want to take a second now to hear from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the new and improved Built Bar is even more delicious. I've told you in the past how much I really love the original Built Bar flavors, but now they're up to 18 amazing flavors to choose from, including six new selections like caramel, brownie, lemon, almond cheesecake, and my personal favorite, cookies and cream. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and importantly, they're all soft and easy to chew. From there, it's also important to note that Built Bar is fantastic for those of us trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while still enjoying a delicious treat. Bars are high protein, high fiber, low calorie, and low sugar, and Built Bar is even great if you're on the keto diet. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and when you do that, you get 20% off on your next order with Built Bar. One more time, that is BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off your next order. Check it out at BuiltBar.com. Today's podcast is also sponsored by the good folks at Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction is not always easy. 
Oftentimes, men just brush it off or blame themselves, using excuses like I lost my mojo or even avoiding it altogether by blaming work or a long day at the office. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care, all from the privacy and the comfort of your own home. And if medication ends up being appropriate for you, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping, and the whole process is straightforward and very, very simple. Getting started is also simple for you. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA and complete an online visit with Roman. From there, again, it's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. If approved, you'll get $15 off on your first order of treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA. And without further delay, here is my conversation with Fred Katz at The Athletic. Fred, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. How's it going up there and how's the offseason? Um... I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just chilling in D.C. and hanging out. And, you know, my life is about as boring as anybody else's right now. How are you doing? About the same. Uh, at least you had the bubble to bridge the gap and you're not seven months into the off season. But it wasn't like you had a long bubble run to cover. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I got the uh, I got the eight games and that was it. At least you had the lead up and the uh, all that stuff, some of the analysis you could do there. But uh, you're you're sort of in the same uh, in the same place that I am. So I appreciate you coming on to talk about some free agents things. Uh, I've mentioned this before. I brought you in, but this is sort of a continuation of a series I'm doing. And uh, the main topic is going to be Davis Bertans. But in typical fashion, I'm going to hold that for a second and ask you about a a very unheralded free agent that I'm interested in. And that is Shabazz Napier, who finished the season in Washington. I've always kind of liked him, and the Hawks had this famous need at backup point guard. So I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that Napier is someone that's going to be back in Washington potentially, uh, or is that someone who the Hawks could potentially look at because he is uh, going to be freed from the Wizards? I think it's plausible he could be back in Washington, but I don't think it's any sort of guarantee. I mean, he's your typical like solid backup point guard for the minimum when you get into that realm of, of player. They have Ish Smith under contract for next year, and obviously they expect John Wall back at the start of training camp. So that's that's two point guards right there. I don't really expect Napier to get more than the minimum. I think if he's their third point guard, you're in a good decision. You're, you're in a good position, and and John Wall next year. I mean, look, he's coming back. He hasn't played in two years. I do not expect John Wall to be playing on both halves of back to backs and be going for 34 minutes a night. Like I just, I don't expect that, and I don't expect the team to use him like that. So they could use a good third point guard. That's a that's a reasonable thing for them. Um, but I, and they liked Napier. He played well for them. But I don't think it absolutely has to be him. You know, I don't think you pay for uh, more than the minimum for a guy like that. I mean, look, he he'd be better than the backup point guard situation the Hawks had for the majority of last season. Oh yeah. So it it, it would certainly be out there. Um, but I think there there are a good amount of point guards who are kind of at that level. Yeah, I've always kind of liked him and thought he was a little bit underrated. But your point is a good one. Like he's not going to be, you know, a hot commodity necessarily. I think uh, he would be an emergency option, or maybe even a little bit better than that for the Hawks' backup point guard spot because of what you just said. The Hawks could certainly use him. He'd be better than what they have, um, and would probably be a low cost guy. I've actually been surprised at times how little interest he's had around the league. I think he's actually kind of better than that. But uh, I wanted to at least ask you, and you know, the Wizards do have Ish Smith still under contract, so I thought that they might uh, might might be not terribly excited to bring Napier back. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's possible because they like him and he played well, and he's good. He's just kind of you know, he's a good teammate and all that. So they they like having him, and he he kind of plays in a way that they 
that I think they appreciate and that he, he really pushes pace very well. He's very fast. He's honestly, stylistically, he's very similar to Ish Smith. They, they dribble a lot. They're very fast. They're very laterally quick. They push pace a lot. They like to just get outlet passes and just sprint up the floor and see what happens. Uh, and even when they're operating out of the half court, they dribble a lot. They'll do those Nash dribbles under the basket and all those sorts of things. So they operate stylistically very similar. I think they, I think Tommy Shepard, uh, at least he appears like he has a little bit of a type for that in a backup point guard. Um, but they also kind of just already have a lot of those traits that they get in Ish Smith. And Ish Smith is a, is a, is a good, solid, reliable backup point guard. So, um, I, I mean, I don't expect them to like go all out and try to bring him back. But if there's a situation where he falls back to them, that wouldn't surprise me either. For sure. And I want to knock that out quickly. Now, now we'll pivot to the, uh, the actual headliner of the podcast. And that's Dallas Bertans. Before I ask you about the contract situation and the Hawks, uh, semi-rumors that have been out there, I'm going to ask you about the player. Um, what, what do you make of Dallas Bertans' sort of breakout this year? And I guess tell people what they actually could expect from him. I'm sure Hawks fans, at least some of them, have not been watching a ton of Wizards. So uh, who is Dallas Bertans? Um, he is one of the, what, five cockiest shooters in the league? <laughs> He's really good at it, too. For the record, he's he's very good at it. Um, as good as he is, he believes he's better. Like he is, he is what he had one of the greatest shooting seasons ever this year when you account for volume and accuracy. Uh, he makes them from all over the court. If if you know you guard him out to twenty eight feet, he'll just step back to thirty two feet. He's perfectly fine taking thirty plus footers. You watch him in practice and just the ease with which he spots up at 35 to 40 feet. Like his change, his form doesn't change at all. It's unbelievable. It's such an, you know, there's some guys who they'll hit deep shots, but you can see their body be put, you know, hoist into the shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fundamentally. And Bertans, his 12 footers look like his 35 footers. And he shot an unbelievable percentage from 30 plus feet this year um like over he made more than half of his 30 plus footers this year he was he was unbelievable on deep shots unbelievable on catch and shoots he is really good coming around screens i think he's quicker he's got kind of quicker uh foot speed than the average person realizes and he's 6'10 with a high release so you're just not going to contest his shot you're not going to block his shot you're not going to make a difference He's one of those shooters where, like, whether he makes or misses, that's on him. Uh, he's he's really, really, truly one of the best shooters in the NBA to the point that his shooting – there are some shooters who are such great shooters that their shooting is not the best trait about their shooting. It's the way people guard them, you know? Yeah. Uh, the way they induce just kind of nervous breakdowns within a defense. Clay Thompson is obviously like the number one amongst those category of guys. Um, and when we're talking about like off ball, non-primary guys, otherwise, you know, it's Steph Curry. Um, but, you know, you talk about Steph and of course Steph fills up a box score with his points. But the most important part about Steph, the greatest basketball trait about Steph is not necessarily that he's going to put up 27 points. It's that he makes defenses lose their freaking minds when they're <laughs> guarding him. And then everybody else is open because everybody's in the wrong spot because you have to make more decisions, quicker decisions, and you're doing it under significantly more distress, which makes you even more likely to make incorrect decisions, right? 
or frantic decisions or whatever. And um, Berton's a different kind of player than Steph and obviously a different caliber player than Steph, but he's one of the very few guys I'd put in that category of such a great shooter that the greatest part of his shooting is not even the percentage. It's the way that he makes defenses behave. Absolutely. And he has to be guarded everywhere. Like you said, you know, the fact that he was able to get up 14 attempts per hundred possessions from three is that's huge. I mean, the, you, you mentioned it as, as cocky and just the, the ability to get him up and also make as many as he did. I think it was 42%, something like that on, on tough attempts too is, is huge. And that's obviously his primary appeal. We'll get into that even more. when We talk about the Hawks in a second, but I wanted to ask you about his defense too, because every time it gets brought up with the Hawks, uh, I mentioned or someone mentions the fact that the Hawks have um, some defensive issues potentially if they were to bring in someone like Bertans. So how bad is it defensively? Is it workable? Like, is it going to be a disaster? Like, where is he sort of at on the defensive scale and what kind of positioning? Like, who do you need to play with him defensively? Yeah, it's a good question. So so is it workable is totally based on context, because is it workable with the Hawks? Maybe not. Yeah, because. Like I, I would just throw Bertans and Trey Young into a pick and roll every time once you get into a playoff series and just cook, you know? I think that would be really, really tough to combat if you're the Hawks. You're going to have to have some really unbelievable defenders on the floor at the other three positions if you have Bertans and Trey Young out there. But in some ways, is it workable? Yeah, like he's not exclusively – it's not like his traits are exclusively negative. He He's actually surprisingly – kind of slithery when he chases guys around screens. Nobody really expects him to be good at that because he's this 6'10 power forward. But he's he's kind of good at that. I, I almost consider him defensively, he's almost more of a small forward because he's not physical. Yeah. And he doesn't really rebound. Like he's almost more of a wing defensively. I'm not arguing he's like a great defensive wing. <laughs> right. But I, he, his traits defensively are almost more wingy than they are power forwardy because he's not going to bang down low it's really rebound he's not physical um and he can kind of he kind of uses his length more as a wing guy than he does as a as a big guy so i i'm he's not a very good defender by any means and he has moments where he just gets cooked you put him in pick and rolls on either end of a pick and roll and that's where he he he's going to struggle there help defender he's gonna struggle uh he's slow to react and the wizards defense last year was just a disaster almost no matter who was on the floor so the traits were like for example in san antonio he had some moments where you're like you know what bertans is like he's a below average defender but he's not going to kill you on defense and then you watch them in washington this year and you and you think okay he's going to kill you on defense <laughs> yeah and part of that is because no matter who's on the floor with him is going to get killed on defense in Washington because they just Beal didn't defend this year and Ish Smith is small plays hard but is small for his position and Thomas Bryan is a below average defensive center and and you look at all of these guys who are either too young to kind of figure out um, defensive geography or just aren't defensive minded players and that's how you finish you know 29th in in points allowed per possession like they did. And barely 29th, like a, you know, a tenth of a point per 100 above uh, above Cleveland. And so 
it's a little bit difficult to judge the nuances of somebody's defense when the team defense is that bad. But I think if you look back to San Antonio, that's where you can see the stuff where it's like, okay, you know what? There's a little something with him chasing guys around screens. There's a little something with him with kind of lateral foot speed, which is better than you think. But but overall, I mean, he's not a good defender. And if you if you go at him one-on-one, you can expose him. You put him in pick and roll, you can expose him for sure. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I thought too, but I wanted people to hear it from someone who's watched obviously a lot more than I have with regard to Bertans and uh, the wing thing is interesting because, you know, in Atlanta one of the one of the big questions as we sort of transition into how he might fit in Atlanta and contract stuff is, you know, the Hawks have their 30 minute a game power forward in John Collins. They have a center in Clint Capella, they could play Collins at center or some, etc. but there's not like that ready-made role for him especially if you have to take it into consideration where if you're going all offense, that's one thing. But defensively, you kind of have to insulate him a little bit. That's harder to do with Trey Young, et cetera. Um, yeah, I mean, look, when I look at the Hawks, I look at them and I think, man, if only that roster had somebody who might be a power forward but probably isn't a power forward. <laughs> yeah, if I mean, it's, it's interesting because the Hawks, I wrote about this a lot and talked about it a lot. The Hawks had a serious shooting problem last year. They did not, they just didn't make shots other than Trey Young and, Ke- and Kevin Herter and some John Collins, but their supporting guys just were terrible shooters and it really cost them offensively. So obviously a guy like Bertans would really, really help the offense. The question is how much you can build around that defensively. And uh, it's one that I talked about before. It sounds like it might be pretty difficult. <laughs> um, I want to ask you specifically, there there was a report out there, I think it was from Chase Hughes, about the Hawks having interest there. I've heard some buzz about that too. What do you make of that? And also, I think almost a bigger question is how committed are the Wizards to bringing him back? Um, what's the price point and all that? So what, how do you sort of size up the situation? Because Berton sat out the bubble, um, presumably wants to cash in here, but the Wizards can bring him back at any cost they want to. Yeah, I... I... Uh... I believe that's probably true. I think the Hawks probably had interest. I've heard buzz of the same, and it's been kind of referenced by enough people that's probably true. The um, the level of interest, I don't know. You might know better than me, but I believe the Hawks had had interest. The Hawks are one of like six teams who have cap room, so they're probably going to look into a, most good players who yep. come up on the market. I'm assuming Bertans gets somewhere in the realm. Uh, we don't know the exact cap environment yet. Right. So this comes with the caveat of like, unless this whole league goes to absolute crap, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're operating within somewhat of a normal situation here, right? Uh, assuming we're doing that, then I'm assuming Bertans is in like the 12 to 15 million a year range, something in there, like certainly above the mid-level, which... If, you know, the cap stays the same, for example, the mid-level would come in at a little more than $9 million in uh, the upcoming season. I think Bertans is certainly a level above that. His shooting is just makes that much of an impact. And uh, I would be at this point, I would be surprised if he didn't end up back with the Wizards. The Wizards really want him back. And uh, he's given them every indication that he wants to be back. And normally when the Wizards want him back, I mean, Tommy Shepard, the Wizards GM in December, which is like, I guess it was 10 months ago now, came out publicly and said, no, 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 we want Davis back. The rest is just figuring out the business, to paraphrase him. Yeah. And, the, and when your that, GM that, comes out and says that publicly, that's a whole different ball game than when teams are kind of anonymously leaking interest. You know, that's just a whole different ball game. Uh, absolutely. And I think 
you know, there were a couple situations, like I talked to Greg Wissinger earlier in the, I guess, last week about the Kings, and that's a front office change. So, like, a lot of the assumptions that were built in there about, you know, them the matching on Bogdanovich, et cetera, are now in flux. But the Wizards have the same front office, and they've signaled in multiple ways, both with what you said just now about, you know, the public comments also not trading him as an expiring contract when they could have got something for him at the deadline, um, him sitting out the bubble, all that stuff. I, I think that my assumption has been the entire way that it's going to take a pretty significant overpay to get him out of Washington. If, if I'm Atlanta, I'm not I'm not going to do the overpay. Certainly there's a number where it might be making some sense, but that number, it seems to me, is a number that the Washington would just comfortably match. Yeah, the Wizards are willing to, they're willing to pay him. I don't think they're willing to pay him a gazillion dollars a year, but they're willing to pay him. And I think they're willing to pay him market value. One, one of the things that every single person, I can't even tell you like Brad, I can't even tell you how many people in the organization have mentioned this to me. Players, people who work on the coaching staff, front offices. Like I, every single person has said to me when they watch Bertans, imagine that guy with John wall. Yep. It's like, they say the exact same phrasing. Every single person in that organization is like, man, look at that guy with John Wall. One of the things is go back and look at the league leaders for three or corner three-point attempts created over the last five years or so. And you'll see John Wall is still in the top like five or six, and he hasn't even played a game in two years. (laughs) And he's he's still in the top five or six in just creating three-point attempts from the corner. He has never played with a shooter like Bertans. Bertans has shot, by the way, from the corner over 50% two years in a row. Which is just outrageous. Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised, but it, <laughs> it is outrageous. Yeah, his his three-point percentage on corner threes this year plummeted to 53%. <laughs> <laughs> to, to give you an idea of how ridiculous these numbers are from three, I, I forget the exact number he shot from corner threes his last year in San Antonio. I It was 59 point something percent. What, whatever it was to the tenth of the decimal, I think it was fifty nine point seven percent. Whatever it was, John Wall that same season shot the exact same percentage to the tenth decimal place on layups as Bertans did on corner threes. That gives you an idea. This you know explosive, powerful, get to the rim point guard shot the same percentage on layups as Bertans did on corner threes, which to me was the craziest stat of the Wizards 2019 offseason when they acquired Bertans. And then he completely blew his three-point shooting from the previous season out of the water in pretty much every single aspect last year. So people are thrilled about Bertans running off screens and Wall being able to create, even if it's 90% of John Wall because of the injuries and everything. And and I just, I don't want to play the game of what's John Wall going to be like when he gets back because right. who know. the heck knows? Like. Yeah. Anyone who says they know is is just either misinformed or or has some sort of injury evaluative hubris that that I don't want to deal with. So I don't know what John Wall is going to be like. He might be way worse. He might be the same. He might be 90 percent. I don't know. But if we operate off of at least the way we know John Wall plays, he's cerebral and he's smart and he understands the values of those kinds of shots. Berton's running off of screens. Berton's parked in the tor- in the corner with Wall running high pick and roll. I mean, imagine being the guy guarding Bertans in the corner with Wall running a high pick and roll and whoever's coming over and setting the screen lays a really good screen. And now Wall is getting downhill. And you have to be that dude coming in the corner of, oh man, do I help onto John Wall here and leave Davis Bertans open in the corner who shoots 
50 something percent on this on normal shots or, or I just let John Wall get a layup. Like, I don't know. He shot the same percentage on layups as Bertans did on corner three. So I don't really know what to do there. Uh, and that's the dream scenario the Wizards have. Might not work out that way. We don't know what Wall's going to be. Um, and, you know, sometimes you look at guys, you think they're going to play beautifully together. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work as well as you want. Um, but that's the dream scenario the Wizards have. And they are they are willing to pay to make that happen. And and Bertans has done nothing but both privately and publicly express how much he likes playing in Washington. So I would I, I would be surprised if he didn't end up back. I think like you said, the one way he doesn't end up back is if somebody unexpectedly comes in and is like, here is $24 million a year. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think that's happening. Right. That, so. that sounds, that sounds like so much. And, you know, I use this example all the time, but this was a restricted guy that the Hawks let go just for Hawks fans. Like they were going to match on Tim Hardaway jr. And then the Knicks gave a like, holy bleep offer to Hardaway jr. That everyone was mm-hmm. stunned by. Um, but even then, the number is even bigger. I would imagine it sounds like from what you're saying and what I was assuming too on Bertans, where they would probably go pretty, pretty well North of where they almost should go. I mean, this this is the thing. This is too simplistic, but if you're a front office and they very easily could have gotten something of real value for him at the deadline to, to not do that, to publicly state everything that that they've said, it it looks pretty bad for you. If he gets, if he gets out of your building now in some ways. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are two, I, I, Two things I want to bring up here. First, first off, um, the one scenario I figure somebody might throw out at me in this is the JJ Redick Philadelphia scenario. Yeah, which is what if it's twenty four million dollars for one year? And this is my guess. This is not like a source to say thing. I don't have people who've explicitly told me about these specificities. My guess: the reason Berton sat out the bubble is because he's nervous about health. He's tore his ACL twice. Yes, it would be consistent of some of somebody of his actions to take longevity over a one-year risk just for $24 million if you get an offer of, say, four for 50 or four for 60. Well, and who's offering that, too? That's the thing. Like, of the teams that have cap space, who's offering him a one-year I mean, the Knicks are always a wild card. I mean, I guess the Knicks could do it just because they're the Knicks. And, I mean, of the teams that have cap space, the team, honestly, that is trying to win the most next year might be the Hawks. But I'm, I don't. I don't think the Hawks are going to give him a one-year balloon payment. I mean, maybe they maybe yeah. they would try it, but not for that much money. I I'd mean, be there are there are random things that I've thought about because I just sit around thinking about the Wizards too much. Like, um, like you could you could sign and trade him for Horford, and sign and trades need to be three years. But like, you could sign and trade him for Horford, make it a huge salary in year one, and then you know, non guarantees on two and three, and get a, get get a bunch of assets from Philly, presumably in that in that swap. I would <laughs> right, and then take on the Horford deal, and you know, the Wizards tried to sign Horford four years ago, and and you know, maybe then you go forward with Beal, and the Wizards are trying to compete this year, and then you go with, with Beal and and Horford, and. And and wall to be clear, this is not like a thing. This is just me spitballing, spitballing on yep. possibilities to where Bertans could earn a salary like that. But there's a reason this sounds kind of ridiculous. It's because it is. It's th- these scenarios probably aren't happening. The second one I would say, which I won't totally rule out, to me the most likely scenario of him ending up on another team is, and and I kind of mentioned this earlier, is the. T- the teams with cap space this year are all bad teams. I mean, yep. it's the Hawks and it's Detroit and it's Charlotte. It's all these bad teams. 
And Bertans is the exact kind of player who fits in really nicely on a on a really good team. I think he's more valuable on a really good team than he is on a really bad team. He's going to give you shooting and spacing and he operates off the ball. And he's, if, if you've just got like kind of a crap team, he's not really going to change your ceiling. And, and he's not, he's not old, but he's like 28. So he's, he, he is what he is at this point. You know, you're not really taking a chance on him and you're going to have to pay him to keep him. Problem is none of the really good teams the teams where you think, oh, man, if they had Bertons, that could make a difference. The Milwaukee's and the Lakers and whomever else, Clippers, those teams don't have cap space. So if somebody offered them a really enticing sign-in trade, then I think that is at least the most likely scenario yeah. in which he ends up on another team because you also aren't sitting there saying, man, they let him walk after not trading him because they did trade him. And presumably, if it's a sign-in trade, they got something back for him. Right. But again, I don't think that's likely because they don't want to. They want to re-sign him, and he wants to re-sign. Well, yeah. So the, the, the only way that makes sense you know? for the Wizards, honestly, is if the sign-in trade is for a deal that they didn't want to give him, which that's a lot of money. I, based on based on what you've just said and what I have heard as well, the number would have to be pretty significant for the Wizards not to want to give it to him. And yeah. if, it's, if it's a reasonable number, they're just going to sign him, aren't they? I mean, it's not like yeah. we're, we're trying to I make mean, things up now. Or if somebody but... offers them something really enticing. Right. Two picks you know? or whatever. If it's a, a team gets desperate yeah. and they're trying to go all in and like, you know, for, you know, I'm not sure what it would be, but maybe, maybe Philly gets silly and overpays because they just, it's such a good fit there and all that stuff. But I don't know. Yeah. Or even a really good, you know, if, uh, you know, a double sign and trade with Jeremy Grant, not going to happen again. Denver wants Jeremy Grant back. He's probably going to go back to Denver, but you know, a yeah. scenario like that where, oh, hey, the Wizards need defense and that's a guy who is really good defensively and shoots threes and can really help. So that's, I think, the most likely scenario in which he doesn't come back, but that's an unlikely scenario. So Right. And, you know, for our purposes, obviously, on this Hawks podcast, the only way they're going to do it is if they just overpay him. Um, they have the cap, they have the money. If Travis Schlenk fell in love with Dallas Bertans and thought that was a great idea, they could give him whatever he wanted to take i just think based on your based on what you said it would take a lot um and i personally would not endorse a, a big overpay given the situation and yeah. by the way he's also not super young he'll, he'll be 28 soon yeah so, well let's let's talk about this for a second with the hawks because so the hawks have collins they have hunter uh and they have guys who like like i like herder obviously trey young is a good player um collins is not a defender Bertans is not a defender. Yeah, Collins, is, uh, Collins was better this year than he's ever been, but that doesn't mean he's like a big plus now. Right, and and Bertans and Collins are a little redundant in some ways, even though they are they're different skill wise. Like their skill sets are different, but they're a little redundant in terms of playing together now. So like what? Let's say hypothetically, the the Hawks' interest in Bertans is very real, and let's say let's say they offer him four for eighty. Oof. Right. Yep. Let's just say that's the case. It's a lot of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. They offer him four for eighty, and Bertans is like, "Well, that's like, that's like twenty five million more than I can get from the Wizards. I'm going to Atlanta, and the Wizards are just like, all right, we'll see you.' And he goes there. What What is his role, and how does it work? Like, yeah, that, does that's that really the John thing. Collins trade is inevitable. Well, that that's I was actually about to say that the the only way that it makes sense, I think I said this before, but if I haven't, I'll say it now. 
the only way it makes sense to give him that kind of deal, and honestly, I wouldn't do that deal under any circumstances as the Hawks. Um, but in this in this world where we already know he's getting 480 from the Hawks, the way that makes more sense is if they're going to trade Collins, which I would not look to do. But I agree with you. The role there with Collins and everybody else still on, still in place. There there's a way for Bertans to get some playing time on this team as a backup four, play some three. Um, Whatever, there's a way to do it, but not for 20 million a year. Because I'm, I'm not sure there's a 30 minute role on this roster right now for Bertans when you factor in. Yes, he could play the four next to Collins, but you'd never get a stop. Um, he actually fits really no. well with Capella. Like him, him and Clint Capella would be fun, but Collins is the second best player on the team, so you're not taking him off the court a lot. So yeah, I think the only way that it makes more sense, and again, I say it, I would not do this, would be if they were planning on moving Collins anyway, or if they had already done that at the, at the trade at, at the uh, draft, for instance, if they had moved on from Collins for some reason, then I could see it a little bit easier to pair Bertans with Capella. You're still worried about Bertans and Trey, like we both talked about earlier, but that makes more sense. But with Collins and everybody else on the roster, I just don't see a reason to do it. Right. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. Whenever I hear the rumors of, you know, Hawks interest in Bertans. That's my first thought. Me too. It's like, what, what is, what is, this doesn't make sense unless there's a corresponding move. It really and is I've, just the fact I've that the theorized. Hawks have money. I mean, the Hawks have money. Yeah. That, that's what it comes down to. Bertans, I assume his agency and his representatives would like to build a market. So they're, the Wizards are not trying to uh, just, you know, give him as little as possible. And the Hawks are probably the best team that has cap space. And they could use a shooter. So if you're if you're his agent, and I'm I'm not saying that I know this for a fact, but if, if you were put put yourself in his agent's shoes, I certainly would like the Hawks to be interested in my guy to drive up the price a little bit because you could at least squint and make it happen. I mean, Hawks fans are excited about Bertans. Not not all of them, but some of them are. I hear from them like, oh, that'd be great, and all because they focus on offense. And yes, it would be awesome on offense. Bombs away, but the overall fit with age and what you got to pay him, it's not it's not my favorite. Yeah, that don't make sense. I'm with you. I'm with you fully. I think we're on the same page. Uh, Fred, thanks for giving me all this time, man. Um, please give me any final thoughts if you have them. If not, that's also totally fine. And please plug what you got going on over The Athletic and your podcast and all that. Yeah, you can check out The Athletic DC if you're not a subscriber. If you're interested in uh, in subscribing to The Athletic, you can go to theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark, which is the name of my podcast, and you can get a discount rate. Over there to sign up, you can subscribe to Wizards After Dark, which is my podcast, um, which is not as risque as it sounds. You can read my stuff <laughs> over over the Athletic DC. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Fred Katz. Um, you know, you'll you'll probably unfollow me within a week or two, but you know that week or two will will be really life changing. Um, thanks for having me on, man. I don't really have much else on Bertans. I think we. I think we probably. I think like, we were very it. thorough. We were, and that was. Uh, I knew I could rely on you to be very thorough with me, and it was. Uh, it was fun to talk about all of this with you, Fred. Yeah, again, please. I would encourage people to follow Fred on Twitter, even if they uh, have some pa- some pain for doing so from time to time <laughs> with some of uh, Fred's Fred's internet uh, performance. I love it. I personally love it. Um, but people may not. Uh, yeah. You're in the minority. It's it's great. It really is. It's, it, your brand is strong, if nothing else. <laughs> That's true. Your That's brand true. Is very they, strong. They said to create a brand. They didn't tell me the brand had to be like likable or inviting. <laughs> That's a good place to end it. Uh, thanks again, Fred. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Check out Fred's work, and we'll see you next time.